3: welcome to the hotbed this is the fifth series of our podcast and it's brought to you by the hotbed collective i'm lisa williams i'm anarchy somerville and we have cherry healy who is our co-founder at large we set this up to talk about why women don't have as many orgasms as men. We want to know why this is. And so we use this podcast and our drum new book, more orgasms please why female pleasure matters to explore issues such as body image shame and the impact of busy lives on sex and relationships and more listen on and follow us on instagram at the hotbed
0: collective the hotbed collective's debut book more orgasms please is out now and has been described by stylist magazine as one of the top non-fiction books of 2019 it's an open honest and at moments hilarious dive into all aspects of sex for women it covers feminist porn body image menopause and much more it's punchy and playful, normalising and educating. It's an eye opening read that puts women's bodies and their right to pleasure firmly on the map. Think of it as Couch to 5K for orgasms. More orgasms, please. Why Female Pleasure Matters is available now in hardback, ebook, and audiobook versions.
3: Hello, Season 5. Buongiorno. Arrivederci. Uh, hasta luego. These are, we're saying goodbye, whereas actually we mean to be saying hello. It's so nice to be back for season five of The Is it really bed. season five? I think so, yeah. I mean, memory is misty, foggy, but I think we've done four seasons. Wow. That is a, I think we can give ourselves a pat on the back then for that. I know. The, the, the four seasons is a really nice hotel change, so we're in fifth season. The five seasons is yes. one notch up. Yes. And so. if the four seasons are listening
4: and would like to sponsor our podcast
3: or offer us a free holiday... Um, we'd be up for that. Yeah, we're not sponsored by Four Seasons. No. But we would like to be. No. So how have you been since season four ended, Anaki? I've now got a little Bambina who keeps trying to grab the microphone. So yes.
0: So Greta's
4: six months old now. So if there's any noises in the background, um, that may be her. Um, she was in asleep, fast asleep, until we walked into the studio. So
3: I think she wants to start her broadcasting career. And so currently we had Baby Joe through a couple of seasons snorting away and now we've got baby Greta hello Greta so she's chewing on a piece of uh, paper at the moment so again excuses for excuse me for any
4: weird sounds in the background hold her up to the microphone she won't say anything hold on come on what have you got to say she's basically just
3: oh she's grabbed it and tried to eat it
4: (laughs) so yeah and what have you been up to then you've had some glamorous holidays which I've been very jealous of
3: yeah glamorous holidays so I went away with the family it's kind of weird going on holiday at the beginning of the summer because it's kind of cheating so you come back with the tan and it's the beginning of the summer and everyone else is just playing catch up but it was good and it gave me a chance to flaunt the book that we've written on the sunbed so I thought well I really want people to pick up the book at the airport and then read it on their sun lounger so I did it myself and um, raised a few eyebrows but I was quite pleased about that. My daughter Ray has seen
4: the book mm. but obviously we don't because she's five. We haven't really introduced her to the notion of orgasms. Mm. So she thinks the book is called More Please. <laughs> so she just keeps telling people, oh, Mummy's written a book and it's called More Please. And she's so um, proud. And she's proud. But now um, they've invited me to come into reception and mm. talk about being a writer. And I said to Paul, it's going to be quite tricky, Mm. obviously, to sit with a load of five-year-olds. And obviously, I can't take a copy of the book. Mm. I think five is probably a little bit too young, even though we do believe in sex ed from an an early age. Um, So I'm just going to have to refer to it as a book and, and, uh, and not really do any more than that.
3: Yeah, that reminds me of a story some time back. It was a tabloid story, and it was some kind of grunge feminist band that called themselves Rock Bitch. And when they went to play in one of their kids' schools, they changed their name to Rocky Beach. Oh, that's a good idea. So you need to do a similar (laughs) thing. You need to do that. Yeah. So Anarchy, who have you interviewed for season five, episode one? Well, um,
4: we've got Dave Grohl. No, not really. We haven't got Dave Grohl. I'm just putting it out there because uh, I read a self-help book once that said that if you manifest things, so you say that they're happening, they do happen.
3: Yeah, and it's worked out for so us so far.
4: If, um if Dave Grohl's listening, then yes, we are going to be doing an interview. You just don't know about it yet. So we've, I've done a brilliant interview. Well, I say brilliant, but it's interesting, I think, with uh, Lisa Smosarski, um, who is the editor of Stylist. She's one of those women who essentially... <laughs> Um, I don't know, in the old days you might have thought she was kind of a Jackie Collins heroine because she's got the job, she's got the figure, she's got the sass, she's got three kids, she's got the shoulder pads, she's got the shoulder pads. Well, she's really stylish and also she seems to be sane. She doesn't seem, you know, I think most women would have bitten most of their fingernails off if they had that many responsibilities. So we
3: talk about... um, We talk about quite a few things. We talk about Position of the Fortnight, because she used to work at Moore Magazine. Ah, Position of the Fortnight. Yeah. This is everyone's formative sex education, is it not? Yeah, and one of the funny things she said is she said in the office, because they had to
4: illustrate it and obviously find out whether it was feasible, she said what they would do is they would try and act them out in the office just to see, because I think she said quite often it was reverse cowboy, so sort of uh, woman on top. Facing away from, oh, yeah. from the man. Um, I but, called that reverse cowgirl. Cowgirl, not cowboy. I suppose it depends what gender you are. We had a, an interesting conversation about balance. So kind of how balance and relationships. So essentially, if you're a high flyer, like she is, how do you actually achieve that and have a relationship? Um, and we also talked about sex, actually, and what the future might hold. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting conversation. I think for her... Um, she's obviously in a really influential position and I mean I'm not I love women's magazines but stylist is probably one in my top five just in terms of content Mm -hmm. they have
3: brilliant articles in there and I just think she's doing a really good job so Anarchy Somerville what is your position of the fortnight Uh, well at the moment it
4: would be lying on the sofa in a dressing gown Um, watching I'm catching up on Atlanta Mm -hmm. which I've watched I've watched three I've watched it three times and I'm watching it again Um, eating I've discovered a new kind of crisp so probably eating some crisps and drinking a small alcoholic beverage what would be your position
3: my position of the fortnight is standing at a train station looking down at my phone and scrolling and waiting for a delayed train. If they did do position of the fortnight now, it would essentially be a couple sat upright in bed on screens. Mm-hmm. What's your actual favourite position? I hate to say it, probably missionary. Snap! Missionary position. Me too. Why do you like it?
4: It's not any work involved. Um, and I don't know, I think... Um, oh, this sounds quite sad because I know I'm supposed to be body positive, but I feel like I'm, uh, I'm at my best in that position why, why is it your favorite i
3: just think it feels better but actually for me it's always it's been different with different partners i think mm. it's to do with how you slot together like a jigsaw puzzle and so it depends on your anatomy but mm. you know sleeping with a man if you are a woman sometimes i have found like sideways spooning quite nice doggy style mm. I think gets the bad name. It's actually quite a good position, I think. Mm. But I always have to sort of launch into it from lying down. Mm. Like I'm not good at being the dog. So horrible. And like being being um, and being taken. I need to sort of start from a sort of like taking off. Lie Mm. on my front. Get in there. And then we both have to sort of levitate backwards. That works. But I think it's slightly, um, but really missionary AVEC, current partner, works well. You know what? I feel
4: really green because I don't think I've ever done, I've never, because my my sort of, what is it, physiognomy, physiology, physiognomy. Physiology. My physiology doesn't allow for being picked up and carried. (laughs) (laughs) So, in fact, I can, there was one time when I was in a nightclub in Bangkok, which sounds very glamorous, where a man picked me up and carried me. And I almost cried because I said that is the first time somebody
3: has actually picked me up and carried me since I was a child. So Love Island has started again. And neither of us are avid viewers because it's really tricky to commit to a show that's on every single night. And that is a lot of it is against our feminist values. But, you know, we watch it a little bit. Mm. It is enjoyable. It's like Big Brother. I used to love that, even though I was like, I hate myself.
0: Ready to pop the question?
1: you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United
3: Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And they talked about positions. Did you see it where they were playing the balloon game? Oh, right. Fill me in on that. So they played a balloon game where they had to, like, hump a balloon to, to pop it. And the team that popped their balloons first then had to answer a question about sex. And one of them was, um, what's the most popular position? And they said missionary, but the correct answer was um, was doggy style. So we've covered both of those positions. Mm. But I think what we talk about quite often, and we talk about this a lot in the book, is that like vanilla sex is fine because it's really about pleasure rather than about adventure for a lot of people. So I think what we do on the hotbed a lot, don't you agree, is actually about getting the basics right. So it's like, yeah, you can spend loads on S&M gear, but if your pelvic floor is screwed, then mm. you're going to have pain and it's going to be uncomfortable or you can do loads of athletic positions but if you don't know how to have an orgasm then yeah it might be a fun experience but it's not going to be particularly long-term no I think that's right and I think sometimes you can sort of feel um, when you're younger
4: certainly if you look at things like um, I mean even the Kama Sutra actually you can sort of think, oh, am I going to have to go through my life trying to experience all of these different positions or I haven't had a good sex
3: life? No. And actually... Hotbed says,
4: no. I think, uh-uh. no, most people would probably have, like... Most people would be the same as us, I reckon, and would have one or two that they tend to mm-hmm. prefer. And certainly if you're in a long-term relationship, you'll always fall into a pattern... Of doing and i think you know there's kind of like maybe a pressure initially to try lots of different things when you first meet someone um but then quite quickly you, you fall into a pattern of doing the same the same sort of positions and i think that's not a bad thing so i'm, I'm really excited to have you here um and i guess one of the things i wanted to talk about because i've always been a complete magazine addict and actually i think i spent my first Sort of pocket money on French Vogue, which used to be always. about four pounds or something. Yeah. Um, and I loved just looking at all of the glossy adverts and things like that. Um, have you always been a big fan of magazines? Always, Talk us through that a bit. Always, always. I, the, all of, actually,
2: probably, I was going to say all of my teen years, but I think actually before that, even going to the newsagent, getting some sort of comic or magazine was just a huge part of my life. I mean, I can remember in my grandparents' house annuals of. Bunty, I mean they were way before my time and mm. sort of loving them and the idea of them um, and I I Really got into them, I guess, around Ms. Just 17 kind of mm. age when I was a young teenager. And I would obsessively go through them. We'd wait. We knew when it would come out. It was fortnightly. We'd take it into the classroom. We'd read the horoscopes first, then pour over the pages. And um, my best friend then, who is still my best friend now, we always laugh about the fact that she'd read it really noisily by my head on a sleepover and wake mm. me up so we could go through the pages. So they've always been a huge... Part of my life, mm. such a large affection. And did you do
4: because um, you know with more magazine, one of the most mm. iconic things was. I mean, it seems quite twee now, doesn't it? The the position of the fortnight. Yeah. Because um, you sort of think about teenage girls now, and you think, God, you know, they must know every single position. Two dimensional Im- diagram, yeah. <laughs> um, did you? Did you? Did you look at it? Did you find it shocking? Yeah, look, I loved it. No, yeah.
2: I, I was like obsessed with it. I mean, I can remember actually photocopying it once and uh, sharing it with someone. So uh, I did look at it. I mean it was as a young teenager I guess it was well, not that young what 14 15 it was it was frivolous and funny and then I was kind of curious as well so it was a bit of an eye-opening experience I went on to edit more and a uh, position of the fortnight was still going strong I mean it basically was cowgirl reverse cowgirl it cowgirl, was. So yeah, and they, <laughs> actually, they was... were
4: all positions I don't think I ever they they did seem like you needed to be quite athletic Limber. in order yes. to attempt it I mean I it. think
2: you know, some were just for
4: show. I bet. exactly. <laughs> well, because so you couldn't just say. do the missionary because that wouldn't be very no, interesting. No, I bet would it's, it?
2: There's a rotation of uh, a, a sort of joyful missionary twist always. Um, like I say, the cowgirl, reverse cowgirl doggy and then it sort of went round you could stand up and do some of those <laughs> you know it's like occasionally because we'd work with the illustrators but like we think the leg's in the wrong place and you'd find yourself when you were to get sort of
4: trying to acting do.
2: out you know at your desk with your colleagues whether these things were actually physically possible or not because it wasn't you know this was for the average person not a Kama Sutra expert yeah, exactly. so it needed translating. And a youngish
4: audience as well not yeah, it? But yeah when I
2: was editing it we were sort of late teens early 20s so you know you're on the you're on the starting path of your sexual yeah, journey. Yeah,
4: exactly. Um, and it's interesting because one of the things we talk about quite a lot at the hotbed is kind of women's body image mm. and how that impacts on, I suppose, kind of how much you can enjoy sex. Because mm. like, ultimately, if you feel crap about your body oh, and the way problem, that you look... Yeah you probably want to have sex with the lights off Mm. or you might not want to have sex at all. Um, And I think um, we sort of quoted a study where they looked at all the images of women in magazines and a very high percentage, I think, in mainstream sort of mags was like 56% was women really being objectified. Mm. So, you know, tending to have very little clothing, um, looking very sort of sexual, very sort of the male gaze, that kind of thing. And I just wondered, as a, you know, you've got Stylist as your baby, really, and it has a strong philosophy on kind of depicting women. How do you sort of go about making it aspirational, but also not contributing to that horrible sense that women have of being lacking or too, you know, overweight or too hairy? Um, You know, how do you make sure that it's diverse enough? Because Mm. it's difficult, isn't it? Because a lot of women will say, I want to have real women. But sometimes they don't want them to be 100% real. There has to be a level of kind of aspiration. Yeah, I mean, there's a
2: huge amount to unpick there, actually, and everything that you've said, because there is a problem around self-esteem, body confidence and sexuality. And you can sort of see that playing through in lots of different trends and how women talk about sex and how they talk about their bodies you know, sort of leave, like you say, lights off, clothes on. Mm. Um, I don't really want you to look at me down there. And maybe if I would leave my bra on, it will be okay. So not losing themselves in the moment and feeling really self-conscious because we're used to this idea that, A vagina is perfect, breasts are perfect. Mm. You don't have bits that wobble when you're actually in the throes of sex. Mm. Whereas, you know, that's not reality. So I I think that is one issue and something that it is important to address. And you can see that across the spectrum of how people talk about sex. And I think there's been real improvement in hollywood actually and in some tv shows i mean lena dunham did brilliant Mm. work in sort of showing what a woman a real woman looks like when she has sex it felt so
4: revolutionary i know it it? really did and the
2: fact it probably was the first time we've seen that Mm. and you know she she i've met her she is not shy about showing that body off Mm. and that is brilliant isn't it because you start to understand that women look a bit like you really rather than this sort of photoshopped perfect you can still be version. sexy as well because you
4: know she's having quite adventurous sex in those Cute. I shows. mean, more
2: adventurous than the average woman and mm. she enjoyed sex. She loved sex as that character and um, I think that was really important to see and you can see that in the swathe of films that are coming through, often through the female gaze, like you say, mm. as well. So I, I did think that's one issue. Objectification is a real problem and I the, the funny thing is, it's led to this um, idea that you can't be sexy and that's not true either. Mm. So my problem with objectification is if a woman is in her pants and her bra to sell a yoghurt something's gone wrong here. There's no, there's no connection between those two things. If a woman is scantily clad or submissive to a fully dressed man in an ad or in editorial, that's a problem. But actually a woman being sexual is completely fine. It's just what are the term. So I think a woman being sexy to sell a sexy thing, sell lingerie, well, why not? Mm. Why can't you be sexy? Own your sexuality. I really do believe that. Mm. Um, but actually it's the position that the woman is put in um, and the context of that. So, what is she selling? What is she doing? Who is she with, and how are they behaving? Mm. That becomes the issue. And you know, we ha- have we have some really strict policies at Stylist, actually. So, editorially, you would never see a woman being objectified. Um, but obviously, we have lots of advertising partners, and we are very clear about what we will and won't accept, which is quite unusual, actually. So, mm. we've rejected copy over the years, yeah, based on the fact that. The woman was submissive to a man or she wasn't wearing much clothing or it felt uncomfortable Um, because we know that our audience would be horrified to see that on our Mm. pages. So we have to be mindful of that and we have to make sure that everyone that comes into our world obeys by our rules. That's not easy to do necessarily. No, it's
4: hard. Because with sex, I suppose what we hear a lot from people who follow us and people who message us is that, Um, Sex has become very easy to access online. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people watching porn. Um, There's a lot more kind of, if you're into certain things, you can certainly find those things online. We're also, the way that people meet one another has changed. Uh, You know, dating has changed. Our expectations are probably quite high in terms of what we want. And what we expect from a good sex life, I can remember Mm. um, having a conversation sort of with a a much older woman who was kind of like, we just didn't expect to have great sex. We didn't expect it. We just sort of thought it was fine just to have a monthly sort of quick shag and and that was fine. And we, we didn't put all this kind of pressure on ourselves. Do you have quite a positive outlook in terms of how sex is moving for your, sort of thinking about your readers? Because what kind of age are they? They're probably quite a broad demographic, so aren't they? 25
2: to 40 is our core, but actually mm. we do hear from 70-year-olds and we hear from 60-year-olds. So yeah. it, there is a broad spectrum. The, the heartland are in their 30s. Yeah. So they tend to have sort of matured a bit through their sex lives. They sort of know what they like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say it's a real mixed bag, actually. Mm. So... Um on one hand we're hearing I'm not having sex very often that might be from women who don't have a high libido or their partners so it's you know it's coming from both sides of mm. the coin and what do you self- think is the
4: cause of that because it's I interesting think isn't stress, it stress
2: isn't right. it it has to be stress mental health issues i think playing through um and i think i think a prioritization of what's important so i mm. think sex in lots of ways it's so it it's so homogenized it is everywhere i mean we are we are so immune to sex in lots of ways. It's standard in every TV show. Mm. You know, you sort of expect it in all of this imagery that you see. You know that you could just Google anything and find it in a Mm. second. So it's so ubiquitous, really, Mm. that I wonder if some ways its commodity has been devalued through Mm. that for, for a certain group of people. And then on the flip side, you've got really adventurous, really confident Uh, women who know their bodies, they masturbate with Mm. these, you know, it's sort of like really are sexually empowered. And it it feels very extreme to me at the Mm. moment. So there is fantastic positivity. There's women who know what they want. I guess you're, ultimate feminist heroes of sexuality who really understand their bodies, what they want and how they get that. Mm. And then on the flip side, you have um, just a deprioritization of sex, which I think, I mean, look at China, it's becoming a sexless country. Mm. That's shocking when you look at some of those statistics. It's difficult because it it feels like
4: sometimes it's a intimacy. And I suppose it's a a conversation that a lot of people have around kind of our culture with our kind of constantly being on our phones and yeah. sort of tw- sort of on screens, really, um, um, that is a bit of a passion killer. Obviously, if you've got partners, I know with my partner, the minute he gets in, he tends to fire up his iPad, mm. and I'll be on my phone. And I mean, couples didn't have that before; that nice. they actually Another had this kind of barrier. Um, and I remember reading somewhere that actually your, your screen, it can be a hell of a lot more entertaining than your partner because you've actually got access to millions of different pictures and images and movies and people. Yeah. Um, or you've got somebody who's very familiar to you that you see every day who's just come in. As comfortable as the safer. Yeah, exactly. But, and it's uh, they're sort of compete. You're competing yeah. with that kind of um, thing. Also, that can be a source of kind of Inspiration and finding other people who are like you and that kind of thing. It's, it's a difficult... It's like oh, you said. I think it's
2: complex because I think also through your phone, you're looking at a world where you're assuming everyone... When we're talking about sex and relationships, that everyone has got it better than you. Mm. So, you know, when you see images on... Um, Instagram of couples declaring their love or having a great weekend away and or they're kissing and you're sort of like oh right we're just in our tracksuit bottoms on the sofa Mm. (laughs) this is like it's not so hot in my house Mm. but actually of course we know that's not true but you know it reinforces these myths or people prancing about in swimwear and again you're like oh god Mm. I probably shouldn't have eaten that extra Mm. bit of pizza you know it's sort of all those things that make us self-conscious and when when you then put on the TV and again there's very sexualized programming on you kind of go that's probably not doing brilliant things for people's self-esteem the reality divide is big I think at the moment and I think it's it's we're seeing it all day long all day long these Mm. things are being reinforced and I think that is quite problematic
4: and what is have you in your sort of um research and conversations have have you ever heard any good advice because I suppose that's the you know everyone's sort of looking for a bit of holy grail Mm. we've had lots of people sort of offer advice um I hate to use those words because I always think they sound a bit like magazine cover lines when you sort of how to keep things fresh or how to jazz up your sex
0: life or. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm,
2: I'm I'm, because particularly because of what I've built at stylist, I'm very, uh, to those actually, because also I don't think there's a one size fits all solution. The school of life do a brilliant video actually about why sex is important in a relationship. And, um, that was really eye-opening and I massively recommend Googling it and have a look because it is a very sort of calm, rational way of looking at sex and sexuality and prior why it's a priority in a relationship and why without it relationships will die. Mm-hmm. And I think because um in some ways, you know, particularly women, you get together and you have a chat and I'm not having sex, ha <laughs> not having sex either, it becomes a sort of running mm-hmm. joke. But actually, this video is really good at saying this is why you need to and this is what it will do for your relationship. So I I would actually urge people to look at that because Mm. it was really about self-esteem and what you're saying to your partner when you don't invest in that. Mm. Um, And that's looking at the end of I mean, God, it's great if you're at the other end of the spectrum and you're swinging from the chandeliers, then God, all is great, isn't it? Mm. But actually, a lot of people do feel that everyone else has got it better Mm. somehow.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think um, and we actually formed because we were having a conversation um, at a kind of Christmas party, I think. And, and it was one of those things where all the women sitting down were sort of saying that they weren't having sex. Mm. Um, and it was this moment of really feeling an uplift and a relief because it was like these were all attractive kind of go-getting women. And, yeah. we, and it was like kind of, oh, you too. Like, you know, and these a lot of them were on Instagram. So the kind of people that you might see and you'd sort of from the outside, you think, God, they've got really also successful. no one knows
2: what that standard mythical number of times. And that's what we're benching, not even quality here that we're talking about, which is bizarre, actually. Because if you think, if you go back to sexual empowerment, that was about having an orgasm and Mm. knowing your body and actually making sure sex worked for you and it wasn't just a one-way street. That conversation has almost entirely ebbed away Mm. and it's replaced by a volume chat because we're squeezing so much into our lives. It's just another thing we want to timetable. Mm. Obviously, it's not going to be that simple so people I can hear this in the questions that come up towards us, up to us at Silas which is but how often is right and that is going to be a hugely variable number depending on you your partner how often you see each other how good your sex is mm. what your libidos are like you know how compatible you are in lots of different ways but I think we're just desperately searching for The answers. Yeah.
4: Yeah. What about for you? Because obviously, um, just as somebody's taking a a step back and thinking about, um, I hate the word balance because actually, you know, so moving a bit away from kind of sex and thinking about work, relationship, Mm. being a mum doing all of that you've already yep. said i mean we're incredibly busy um and i remember somebody saying you know this whole notion of balance is kind of very outmoded because it's it doesn't really exist you mm. never really feel like you've got that kind of sudden like namaste I think moment it might
2: be dangerous I, I think it, i'd go so far to say it's dangerous because i think we're expecting something that can't happen right and you kind of go there aren't many people who go i've got a pure 50-50 divider or a 25% divide on all the different bits I have to
4: prioritize. Mm.
2: That suggests balance, but something will always be outweighing the other thing. Mm. But we're driving ourselves absolutely mad going, "Oh, it's really weird because I don't I don't feel like I've fitted in all my hobbies around my work life and around my family." Mm. But like, well, well, no, because, you know, you there's can't. 24 hours in a day. You have to sleep for some of those. Mm. You know, it's sort of we have we have put really unrealistic expectations on ourselves, mm. and I wrote a piece actually about um, can we really have it all? Mm. Because lots of people look at me and go, "You've got a great job, and you've got three mm. kids, and wow, you've got it all." But mm. like, we're well, not really. I'm making compromises every single day in mm. lots of different directions. And I, I have do you it feel? All I mean, there are a lot of mom,
4: a lot of women will be listening, and they'll think people will think you are really successful because you've achieved. A lot yeah, um, and I suppose it's that kind of I mean what women are always struggling with is you know, can you actually be a mum and be a good a fairly good mum? I mean, we never feel like we're perfect um, and have a relationship and have a really successful career that you enjoy. Um, which is fulfilling. Um, and, and what would you say to them? Because do you do you have that kind of feeling of success? Like, oh, I've arrived. Or do you feel like actually... No, does anyone ever feel that? Or do you sort of think, no, no, I don't have that because I'm still doing, like you said, I'm still compromising. I have and, all of yeah. those
2: things, you're right. And I feel incredibly lucky and supported in lots of different directions in being able to get that. So this isn't just me. I didn't do it all on my own. You know, I've got, I work four days a week. My husband works four days a week. Uh, He probably does slightly more childcare than I do, but it's fairly divided. Um, My employer has been really supportive in terms of flexible working and allowing me to come back. I'm very driven at work. It's really important to me, but that's because I have a job I absolutely love. And Mm. I feel really lucky to have that because I know that's not the case for everyone. And I have a big family, you know, wasn't easy, but I have a big family and uh, it's regularly hard. It's regularly hard. And I make compromises. I feel guilty all the time to everyone. So I feel guilty to my colleagues when I have to run out the door because I have childcare commitments, mm. feel guilty to the kids, obviously vice versa. But the only the only sort of bit of rational thinking that I've got to is... Uh, I am getting to experience lots of things. I'm a richer person for that. And when I'm in the moment in those places, I'm in the moment. So I'm in the moment at home. Mm. And yes, I have to work at home, but I can try and compartmentalize. When the kids go to bed, I can sort of sit Mm. down. I'd say the relationship is the bit that gets squeezed, the boast in all of that. Because your kids... Obviously they are in your face, you know, that they need your attention immediately Mm. and uh, you want to spend as much time as possible with them because the time in the day is finite with them. And I think work is prescribed for you pretty much as a rule. You know, we tend to have traditional working hours that we have to conform to. So it's that poor relationship around the edge, I think, Mm. sometimes. And then you
4: end up with that terrible um, concept, the date night, (laughs) which kind of, you know, we've talked about before and sort of said, actually, so much expectation is riding on that. And then you might have this once a month kind of going out for a meal. You're not funny
2: enough tonight. Come on. (laughs) And you're tired. And, you know, it's
4: kind of, it's that's another pressure isn't it and then maybe even the expectation that you've got to have sex at the end of the date night after you've had a big heavy meal (laughs) and you're kind of feeling knackered yeah
2: I I think it's true and I think we I think it's essential I don't want to do the date night too much bad mouthing actually because I think it's essential to cut out time for your relationship and I know we certainly feel it if we don't actually spend any time together um so finding that but I think I think like everyone, you do the big date night and make this massive deal. And then we're like, actually, we have loads more fun when we're like, if we do something like we used to, mm. or we're just hanging out, we just cut out time in our mm. lives, rather than like you say, going having this massive meal, paying loads of money and a babysitter. And then mm. like, are you having fun yet? Are you having fun?
4: Mm. And you might have a row actually, because that's course, quite cause often. you've got a little yeah. bit of
2: space. So, um, so I think it's tricky. So I think it is about prioritizing time but I think the date night can be a perilous thing mm. where you just think actually does it have to be that or what did, what did you used to do this is what we got to mm. we had a really fun night recently where we went out and played darts which I cannot do mm. in the pub and just literally had a game of darts and I was really rubbish and it was really funny mm. and you kind of go oh actually that's quite a good use of a night out and mm. a babysitter rather than sort of suddenly you know sweet nothings over a table Mm. for two in a busy restaurant. So... And we, we do all of it. And actually, I also really like going out in a group because you get to see, again, how you used to see your partner mm. through other people's eyes. Yeah, that's and really you make nice a bit more, I well. think sometimes you
4: make more of an effort as yeah. well, don't you? Conversation-wise as well. And it's, uh, it's a shared
2: experience. You know, I think this is one of the problems is that you have all this lovely time when you get together and you create all these memories together and then that's channeled through your children as you mm. sort of progress. And I think that's great and that's a lovely family moment, but it's not about... You me too. Yeah. And I think, so, so for me, the, the, I don't think I've nailed this by any means, but these are the bits that I can sort of go, we tried, and it, you know, definitely mm. helps.
4: Now, I mean, we've uh, we've got a book coming out, and it's funny because one of the chapters in there, we sort of predict some sort of a, apocalyptic kind of future where everyone's kind of having sex with avatars. You know, we're sort <laughs> yeah. of standing in kind of empty rooms with these holograms that look like our fantasy partners. Yeah, um, or, you know, we're all just totally consumed with watching online porn and that mm. kind of stuff, because it's actually a much easier, sex, yeah. yeah, quicker way to sort of orgasm. Um, what do you th- I mean, that's quite pessimistic, isn't it? It's quite. But there is there is this kind of horrible bleak, f- feeling yeah. we have sometimes that we, we're becoming more and more disconnected. Um, How do you sort of see it going? Because, you know, it's kind of, I mean, if you sort of had to project a bit into the future, do you think we're going to, are we going to reach a time where we actually go, come on, we've actually had enough of all this digital stuff. Let's just try and bring it back to this real intimacy with one person. Um, How do you see it Hmm. sort of changing?
2: I I do think the landscape will change. I mean, I think if you look at the trends coming through, attitudes to sex and sexuality and one's own sexuality are changing so much and there is more fluidity, flexibility, flexibility discovery mm-hmm. so i i think there will be and then i do think some of that will exist i could just cannot see a world in which technology won't fill in oh pardon the pun the gap of sex but it's like i do also think that people will experiment more i wonder what it will do to monogamy in the long mm-hmm. term actually because i think again sort of hearing some stories through stylists about friends who um have gone right let's just go on an adventure together and you know that they might include new partners in that or sex Mm. parties and things. And, you know, there is a, there is a different journey. So I I think the landscape will change. I just don't think physical intimacy will ever go away because I think it is different to having, well, it's different to masturbating. It's different to watching porn because Mm. there are things that you feel that are different. There are different sensations. There's nothing quite as brilliant as a shared moment. Um, but I think I think it will be more flexible and uh, more explorative. Actually, as we go further forward, my my fear, I suppose, if if I think about what you're saying, is that there will be a huge rise in asexuality, um, or a uh, just a lack of prioritization. Full stop. Mm. Uh, as we've seen in other cultures where sexuality has, is being redefined, mm. and I think. Well, A, it will be a problem for relationships because we're just so dependent on that intimacy. It's a shame for all of those individuals involved who haven't quite found that side of their Mm. identity but it will really sort of challenge the status quo. So I'm sort of—I still feel there'll be extremes, and probably our avatars will be uh, One having a version. lovely time, yeah. somewhere. But you know, it will just be an, the new sex story, really.
4: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank um you We've really—we've covered just about everything. Um, <laughs> Body positivity, <laughs> date nights, um, superwoman myth, all of that. So um, thanks a lot. And uh, and yes, hopefully we'll, we'll see you again. But you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. When I initially met her, I found her slightly intimidating because mm. I always thought that magazine editors were a bit like Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. But she's not like that at all. She's actually very warm and friendly.
3: Yeah, and she's poised. And so I was there when you did the interview looking after Greta as you guys went into the studio and she seemed... Very poised and kind and absolutely not at all devil wears Prada. No. And I was jealous and had FOMO. But I liked hanging out with Greta, obviously, but I kind of wanted to be there with you, with you two. So, uh, and what's everyone's homework this week? Okay, so let's do positions. So let's think about what are your positions that you currently do
4: when you're having sex? Missionary. Can you perhaps integrate one different position into your repertoire? So look it up online just try something new so that might be if you haven't done doggy style for a long time why not try that um, I say why not bring back the 69 that's one no. nobody ever did for Cause a cause long it's, time because it's terrible is it well it might work for some people um, or if you're of the right kind of body shape when we talked earlier about lifting up lifting up and being pressed up against a wall just go out of your comfort zone with a position if you can this week
3: try it you might like it and then go back to what you normally do You've been listening to The Hotbed, the podcast brought to you by The Hotbed Collective who want to make life better one orgasm at a time. If you like us, we would love it if you could subscribe to us using your podcast player and while you're there, leave us a glowing review if only to massage our paper-thin egos.
0: Thank you.